Well, take two. <clears throat> Welcome to episode two of BNBFC. I'm Brian. I'm here with Brett. We have a great episode here for you today, a special episode. We're going to be doing a starting 11 that each of us have put together of the greatest players of all time. Uh, and the significant thing about this is that we are only allowed to pick one player per club. And we've identified 11 clubs that we feel have the most heritage in European football. And those clubs are as follows. We have three Italian teams, Juventus, AC Milan, and Inter Milan. We have five teams from England, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, Manchester City. We have one representative from Germany, Bayern Munich, and of course, probably the two biggest teams in history, Spanish Giants, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. So that was the stipulations. That's what made it particularly tricky because as we both know, there's a bunch of great players that graced all of those clubs. So finding a starting 11 where we could only use one per team was, was quite interesting. So we're going to kick things off. Brett's going to go through his team. I'll go through my team and then we'll discuss um, in the middle, ask each other questions and we'll go from there. Kick it off, Brett. I just wanted to say before I get into my team, you know, we really like to hear from you guys um, on this combined 11. Uh, I had a student of mine actually participate in this combined 11 and his was pretty interesting. So shout out to Caden, grade 11. Hey, study for physics more. But Anyways, and my brother actually did this as well, but um, what I did was a 4-3-3 system. Uh, and where I started was in the goalkeeper department was Casillas from Real Madrid, uh, one of the best goalkeepers of all time. He had a slight decline, but during his prime, uh, honestly, you can't really, there's not too many keepers that can even, if you take any other keeper's prime and you look at his, it's almost always Casillas who wins that debate. Back four. Before you kind of go on, I think of Real Madrid. Holy moly, there's been a lot of fantastic players that have played for Real Madrid, which I think most people agree is the biggest club in the world. So many world-class players through the years. And I think there's a lot of great goalkeepers. And maybe this is just me as a manager saying, oh, goalkeeper is probably the least significant position. There's so many good players that are kind of at that level or at the same level. What put Casillas over the edge? Well, for me, it was just his his shot-stopping ability and his his um, awareness for when potential threats were coming. But the biggest thing with him is I really wanted a good goalkeeper for this position. And I was really debating like Schmeichel, uh, Gigi Buffon, but what it really came down to that put him over the edge because those are all quality goalkeepers was that I really wanted to use another United player, or I really wanted to use um, another Juventus player. And you'll see later. So Casillas went there and I left out somebody from Real Madrid that lots of people would be upset about. And I'll explain why later, but the back four, I had Zanetti from uh, Inter Milan I really like this one because he was a great leader uh, and he was really renowned for his work rate going forward, making runs and coming back for defense. And I'm just not a big fan of the Trent and Alexander-Arnold fullbacks where they, I know that they can be very effective. Like Trent's a great player, but it just leaves so much. He's been exposed yeah. on so many occasions. Yeah, it leaves so much uncertainty in certain areas. Um, center back pairing. 
I have Virgil van Dijk, just an unbelievable, uh, complete defender, aerial dueling, ball playing, um, tackling. He's the total package, especially when he was considered for the Ball d'Or. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Beckenbauer, two World Cups, or one World Cup, two Ball d'Ors, very well known for his um, attacking presence as a defender, but he just has too much, uh, uh, too many achievements to really, really debate this guy. And what made it easy to pick him is in the left back department is that I had Maldini, somebody that needs no introduction, one of the best defensive left backs there's ever been and he actually transitioned to be one of the most elite center backs there is so that really i put beckenbauer on the same side as maldini because if uh, beckenbauer ever went forward now you have a slotted in back three of maldini virgil van dyke and zanietti and i forgot to mention this with van dyke but he's very well known for being somebody that can communicate and organize his defense so i very much feel and his ball playing ability being that central center defend defender allows for a lot of great play. Well, I'm watching Van Dyke and we haven't been watching football live for so many, no, too many years, but for me, that one period, I don't know, 2020, 2019, 2020, whenever that was, I think that was the best period I've most dominant display I've ever seen as a center back in about the 10 years that yeah. I've been watching football. Well, and you, and you talk about defenders where you like, do you have a ball player defender? Do you have a tackling defender? I really think that Virgil has been somebody that has been known, you know, after his injury, not so much, but really was the total package of defender, even the size. Um, jumping into midfield is I tried to prioritize you know, I really want some range passing, somebody that can play a center mid position. If they wanted to run forward because Beckenbauer is coming up into that midfield as well, that's great. Um, but I also wanted to not lose any physicality and disrupting um, the attack of the other team. But then I also wanted some technical class and forward passing as well as some finishing. And my midfield three is Kevin De Bruyne, Roy Keane and Zinedine Zidane and I find that this three really works well as a alone midfield being having cover in Roy Keane Sir Alex Ferguson said the best player he's ever coached leader sticks up for his team very good disruptor uh Kevin De Bruyne he does make really good forward runs if he was on my team I would want him to stick to what I think his best quality is, is that mid to long range passing that he has in his game to just kind of unlock the wingers. And we'll get to that later. And then Zidane Zidane, top five player of all time, as far as ability, um, just class when it comes to his ability to finish the ball, his ability on the dribble to create chances, to slide in, cutting in wingers, slide into the striker, total package of a player. And then we have the front three, which I was very excited about left wing. We have Eden Hazard from Chelsea and we're looking at Hazard from his peak days in the premier league. And this guy was unplayable. It's quite sad, isn't it? What's happened? Because he was unplayable. You know, like I watched this guy dribble a football 30 times in a row, you know, like keep him up. You look at him, the dribbling ability, um, the ability to find a pass, 
not a selfish player either. The ability to finish. Um, a better version on the right wing of Eden Hazard almost. We have the greatest of all time. There's no debate anymore, ladies and gentlemen, is Lionel Messi. Capable of making runs, runs wide, capable of coming in uh, on the inside, getting a goal, capable of sneaking in to get a late outside the box chance and capable of making unbelievable passes, the free kick presence. You know, he's got a World Cup. He's got the Copa America. He's got the Champions Leagues. He's got the records. Seven Baldors. Seven Baldors. He's the greatest of all time. And what really helps with the midfield and these wingers is the ability for Kevin De Bruyne to see these two wingers that can create chances cutting in. You've seen how effective it is when you see Kevin De Bruyne putting out wide balls to Jack Grealish, Mares, Phil Foden, and then cutting into a striker that is really good at uh, finishing chances that other people create. And that's why my striker is Thierry Henry. You look at him with Dennis Bergkamp, quality, class, technical player, set up great chances. And Thierry Henry, one of the best records is finishing chances off. The pace of Thierry Henry on the counterattack um, and the two wingers that can provide a pass on the counterattack from width. And there's nobody in this game. Peak Thierry Henry could match his speed. Mbappe, I don't think, is as fast as peak Thierry Henry. We'll never be able to see that race. But the other thing with Thierry Henry, capable of going out to the out to the wings. And I have wingers that are capable of going on the inside. Great coverage. We have Henri and Messi who played together. So the chemistry's there. I just think this formation is just a complete package. It might not necessarily have a modern play style as far as playing out from the back. Casillas kind of inhibited by that, but I really do think that the um, when we look at today's game where you have wingers cutting in, you look at Arsenal being able to have like a share of the goals. And I'm not, I didn't make a team that say, oh, I have so many people that score goals, but there's people that cut in and they can do other people's jobs. Gabriel Jesus going to where Martinelli is, Martinelli being a striker, Saka coming in on the inside. So it's Kind of a modern take. What did you have for yours? Well, I want to circle back to kind of looking at, because I feel your area in that final third at the edge of the box, Zidane's going to want to operate in there. De Bruyne is going to want to operate in there. Messi's going to operate in there. Are these players enough quality to be able to find a way intelligent enough to work together? Or are they going to be getting each other's way? Oh, I like that you brought that up. Because when you look at Zidane, you look at Hazard, you look at Messi, you look at Thierry Henry, of course, movement might be an issue, but movement is coachable. But with all of these players, they've never had an issue setting up chances for other people. Messi's always been somebody that's been setting up other people. Hazard was never somebody that was demanding the ball as far as I need it. Um, when you look at Zidane, especially in the Juventus days, looking to set up chances, advance people. I don't think I really necessarily have somebody on the team in that front four that didn't in their time share the ball with others. As far as the movement, I really do want an interplay of, you know, Messi in the in the central position sometimes, or Eden Hazard cutting in and Thierry Henry on the outside because they all have that quality. But 
specifically one of the reasons I left off Casillas is because I don't want a player, even though he's high class, like Cristiano Ronaldo, who is somebody that you would not be able to function with that many stars, in my opinion. Well, I would agree with that. I think when you're talking about midfield positions, you can kind of get more away with having people operating. But I think when you talk about number nines, if you got two guys that are doing wanting to do nothing but put the ball in the net, I think you can run into more significant yeah. problems. So I just, because I thought about it being like, I have a lot of, they were the best player on, on their team in that the final four of the, the furthest four of the pitch. But you've seen enough of their game where a lot of them are creators before they're finishers. Yeah. So that was mine. That's the thing. I want to poke holes in it, but at the end of the day, I, with your lineup, yeah, that's an unbelievable team. And I, I think you'll say the same with me. It's just, what are we trying to get out of these players? And how to, are we approaching the game? We need to put it in FIFA, run a sim. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the other dicey question, spicy question. Who gets the armband? Oh, the armband for me, it, I looked at it a couple of ways. So for me, I really felt like the armband should would go between three players. And when I say the three players, or four players rather, one of the four players I don't know enough about, I just know he's known for his leadership, was Zen Yeti. But I also look at somebody like um, Maldini, as being that, but really, I do think you have to give the armband to Messi. Um, the reason that I would give the armband to Messi rather than the other the other ones is it really? I think there's enough quality on the team that you don't have to have a a captain that is somebody that's like a Roy Keane trying to get on everybody. Okay, like that type of personality. I think there's enough quality that people are accountable and where I think that when people are accountable, the, the captain that works the best for them is the ones that lead by example. There's always going to be leaders on the team that are going to be talking, but giving the armband to somebody like Messi, who is creating up chances, willing to die to get you a pass or to finish a chance. I just think that would be more cohesive in this team. I would compare it right now. I know this is like a really, really, like I'm not comparing this player to Messi, but if you look at, or even the team, but if you look at Arsenal, they have a lot of quality players right now. Like their starting 11 is very good. And Granite Jacka is definitely the voice leader of the team telling people, but they put the armband on Martin Odegaard, who is not very vocal, but he is somebody that orchestrates. He's somebody that leads by example, and he's somebody that can get goals but primarily wants to make everybody else better, which I think is very much how Messi plays the game. Interesting. Yeah, two schools of thought on that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I really like my team. I'm interested to hear what yours is. Um, yeah, so go ahead. Go All ahead. right, we'll start in the same way. We'll go back to front, starting with the, the man between the posts and the man between the sticks. Representing Juventus Football Club, Gianluigi Buffon. That's a great pick. And I, I thought about, and really Casillas is the one that I was thinking of. Manuel Neuer is one that I'm thinking of. Schmeichel is thinking of. And I'm thinking all those other teams just have too many good players in other areas. And, and it's not that, no one thinks Buffon's a bad player, but I think he's a great player, great leader, good shot stopper, really communicated well with the back line. 
worked well with his defenders. You see the bond that he shared with them, especially he and Chiellini having played <sighs> together for so long. A real, a real oh, bromance that. there. Yeah, no doubt. So I think that was really going to work well. On the right side of my defense from Inter Milan, Maicon, really the one of the pioneers of people going forward, fullbacks going forward. So I think that's an, an interesting um, dynamic, especially when I think about my other three backline. They're going to be people that are going to be staying back a little bit more. Maicon, very solid player. And I say this about fullbacks. They just seem like they're the... You just need a solid player. They're not spectacular. They're not the ones that are going to be directly causing you to win or lose games, but they're just the glue that's going to hold your whole structure together in your team if you're not going to get caught out. Positional awareness, when to be forward, when to be back, those sorts of things. I have beside him, Chelsea man John Terry. You know, I recognize that the guy is such an off, off the pitch, not not a, a good such person. An asshole. Uh, I had I had to throw that out of my decision making making process. But when we think about the, just the performances that this guy's brought to Chelsea, the leadership that he has brought to Chelsea, kind of that that guy that's willing to do anything to go in and throw himself into a challenge. I wouldn't want him taking a penalty to win the Champions League because he blew that one. But other than that. Uh, just a, a great all-around play, player. Probably one of the best English players of all time. Great player. Uh, I, too, picked Franz Beckenbauer yeah, as yeah. a center back. It's it's hard not to. Yeah, I, I did waffle with it, this one because when I read about all the things that he'd done, a lot of it was, oh, he did this with West Germany. He did that with West Germany. And it was less about his club accomplishments. But at the same time, He's, I think, the only defender that has more than one battle door, if I'm correct. He's, uh, I think he has two. I read a stat that is just funny because he has two battle doors. And if you look at the history of defend, every other defender uh, put together only has one. Really? So, and you'll, so we're looking at a guy that really in a, in a league of his own. And, and when you talk about putting in those performances to really kind of when your team needs you or playing through the pain, this guy dislocated his shoulder. Germany had used both of the subs that they were allowed, so he played on with a sling in his arm for the rest of the game. So if you can't talk about commitment there, then then there is no commitment. And this guy can push up. John Terry is going to be that guy that's going to be always on the line, ready to kind of make that tackle or be in position. And then left back, Paolo Maldini. I think that's a pretty straightforward pick. We both have him. I yeah. picked him for a lot of the same reasons, and I think it's interesting that our back four is operating in some ways the same same way. We have a back that three that's going to be relatively uh, playing a more defensive role than one guy that might be going forward a bit more regularly. What I really like about like your your keeper and your back four, and what I find interesting is one of the things about it is they all seem to be cohesive, but not only that is. Gigi Buffon was not only a great leader just in general, but he was actually really good at organizing his back line. Not that that back line would need it, but just having that extra X factor. The other thing is just you as a person, I know is just more of a negative defensive type. I would have never thought you would have, like I would have never guessed you would have picked an attacking type of right back. That was kind of out of left field for me, but it's a good pick. You can't really, you know. That's I, I read. That's the same thing with yours. I just like I was ready to destroy it, but I'm just like you can't. Like we're talking, we're apples to apple, apples to oranges here. Yeah. Like these are all fantastic players. Midfield. So when I moved into my midfield, I think my midfield has a little less quality than yours, but a little bit more steel as well. 
kind of going in line with kind of how I want to approach the game. So I have one number six and two number eights. And that holding midfielder is Patrick Vieira of Arsenal. So this guy, great leader, can disrupt the play. Very physical, uh, would kind of help run that midfield. And, and one thing I wanted to make sure that my team was not getting overrun in midfield. I have characters there, I have physical characters. So Vieira in that holding midfield role, he can kind of adapt and see if Beckenbauer is pushing up to provide cover in that area as well. And then my two number eights representing Liverpool. One of them is Steven Gerrard. I think fairly, very complete midfield. I think he might be one of the weaker players on my team. Uh, Liverpool was one of my challenging picks. I, I know they had a lot of great teams, but I, I looked at their players and I, I, I thought there would have been more quality on the whole. And that kind of makes me smile as a, as a United fan. But Steven Gerrard, he's, he's probably the weaker player in my team, but I don't think he necessarily makes my team weaker. That makes sense. And then on the left-hand side or whatever side I'm looking at, left or right, uh, when we were talking about Manchester City, my first thought was Kevin De Bruyne. And Kevin De Bruyne is, by all means, not a a bad pick at all. But uh, I went with Yaya Toure. I remember watching this guy pretty much right when I started watching football. This guy, the technical ability, the physical ability, um, all those things put together. I think I have really two complete number eights in my midfield. So these are guys that are going to be making late runs into the box. They can go in to support in that final third area. And there's going to, there, there's no doubt goals and some level of creativity in there as well. I think I've got lots of creativity in my forward line uh, as well. That's that's really, I like your midfield, but it's, it's really kind of funny because I was surprised when you picked an attacking fullback, but I'm not at all surprised <laughs> with your midfield being very, much more defensive. You still have quality and technical ability in there, but it's very much a midfield. I find that you're like a fail-safe type of midfield. I also find it interesting. I'm an Arsenal fan. You're a United fan. And we both pick each other's DMs. Yeah. Where that's it's a very interesting. It, it makes me wonder um, who you have in your front three. So, Well, the teams I have left are Manchester United, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. Yeah. All right, so... Right wing, Lionel Messi. Thank God. I, There's no other way. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's the Thank thing. God. I could be one of 10 billion people. That's, that's a bit of a stretch in the universe right now. But everyone knows it. If you know anything about soccer, I shouldn't have to explain why Messi's in my team. No, no, no argument needed, especially anymore. And then at left wing, throwing it way back, Manchester United, George Best. So I, I read about him. Oh. I wasn't around, of course, to, to see this man play. Uh, but he was really a complete winger. And back in those days, the winger, it was less about cutting inside. It's let's get to the byline and throw a cross in, or let's beat, beat our guy and throw a cross in. They're, they're capable of scoring goals, um, of course, but it's more of the get to that byline. So I have George Best playing more as an out-and-out winger. Messi is going to be that guy that cuts inside. He's going to be that chief creator. And then we've got... One man. This guy's this guy's only purpose is to score goals. Uh, he's he's gonna Messi's no doubt is gonna be my MVP, but my top score is gonna be later in his career, Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh my god. I think as a goal scorer, this is a guy that obviously can score with his left foot, with his right foot, with his head. And the reason I picked later career Cristiano Ronaldo is that I feel like 
early days Real Madrid, Ronaldo, he's still cutting in off the wing. He's going to interfere with George Best um, or Messi, depending on which side he's on. So this is kind of a number nine, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and really, you talked about that, Ronaldo. That's actually, because there was a point there where Messi was up, I think, five to one, maybe, in, in Valdors, or five to two. Like, Me- Ronaldo actually won, I think, three out of his Valdors when he kind of transitioned to that number nine role and became a little bit less dynamic. So I think this is the most complete goal scorer um, to ha- add to my team. And I think Messi and Best, Best can be that guy that's going to throw in that cross to him. Messi can play interplays. Messi can connect with Toure or Gerard, making that run into the box. And, and, and Ronaldo's a, a physical threat, I think, to defend a corner, for example, too. Not to stand in a wall because he jumps out of the way of those. But uh, I wanted players that were physical. And, and Ronaldo's really, when you think about physicality and technicality, Ronaldo is one of the most physical physically intimidate not intimidating but just impressive but how high he can jump for a ball things like that so that's the kind of that's the foundation for my team so to spend 30 seconds just to go over everything we've got Mikeon that's kind of rushing forward a back three that's relatively stable Vieira can drop back Beckenbauer has the freedom to go forward you've got box-to-box guys in Toure and Gerard Messi's operating out of that number 10 role cutting inside Best is going to try and beat his man on the outside, maybe throwing a cross, and then Ronaldo's just there to put them in the back of the net. You know, here's the only thing. Like, I, I find that my formation was very much more balanced, but then a priority to, to width as far as, like, the... But your, your formation seems very narrow, especially when you talked about, like, you know, Messi does everything, but you really highlighted, like, that he'll probably be cutting in and then you just kind of left best as, you know, you know, you kind of threw him in there as just a complete winger, but it just seems like a lot of your attack is going to be from a central area. Yeah. Which is fine. It's interesting, but. But we have Messi's on the right-hand side and Maicon is the fullback going forward. So he can overlap to provide. So Messi's coming in the return and we have options maybe. So he, Messi might have an option to give something to Ronaldo. Best and Maicon might be the option out wide. Or Toure or Gerard could be the option running in for midfield. The only thing that I have to ask, and especially later year, Ronaldo has proved this in a bad way, but how is Ronaldo going to fare not being the man? Because here's the thing Ronaldo cares about goals, and I think that's what he wants. If he outscores Messi, and then doesn't get the bell door, I think there's problems. But I think there's, I think you might be prob- problems over a sustained period. If we're taking this team to, to battle aliens on Mars and we don't know how they're playing. If Messi's having game. a great game, Messi's having a great game, is he going to start pouting? I don't know. But if Messi's having a great game, it means we probably scored one or two goals and we might be, might be ahead. And we're not conceding any more than one with the, with the midfield and the, Okay. And the defenders. All right. I just have a curiosity just because we we got the time, but who would be the manager? Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> I don't think my team wouldn't be a Carlo Ancelotti team. I couldn't have him. I understand. My team is very much, I think, an Italian yeah. type style of play kind of yeah. team. My, my team would very much more be um, an Enrique or a Gordiola type of team. Not that like there isn't balance in the team, 
but you just have to have some creativity and some bravery. And that one thing you can't argue with Ancelotti's results, but he just, the players that he have, I just don't think he would mesh as well as um, with players that want to be creative and things like that. But and, and part of my pick with Ancelotti going back to Ronaldo, Ancel- like Ronaldo starts pouting, Ancelotti stares this guy down, one eyebrow halfway up his forehead. Ronaldo's, because I don't know, unless Ronaldo's that much of a prick, like you have to respect Ancelotti, or you should. I feel like in some ways we've been, of course, Ronaldo the last one or two years has been really pouty. But I'm talking still 2016, 2018, Real Madrid. So I, I see still a professional player uh, at that time more so than he has recently yeah. been. It, it's funny. I just want to mention this. Banger might not be a bad coach for this team. Like we have, like Arsenal had Ashley Cole, Maldini's way more class, but similar type of player. Um, I think Zidane and Banger would have yeah. a really good connection. Yeah. And then like, yeah, Hazard, Henri's already there. Roy Keane's a very Patrick Vieira type. So anyways, um, Great freaking picks. But let we would like everybody, if anybody's listening, try to do your own. Send it to us on Facebook, BNBFC. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in the next episode.